We're beginning a new sermon series about today called Life After Life. And I know that may sound a, a little interesting uh, to talk about, but here's where this comes from. Oftentimes in church, or if you talk with people about a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you're curious uh, about that, perhaps you know him and walk with him, perhaps you don't, you hear a lot of people talk about life after death. And the fact that because of Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection three days later demonstrates his power over sin and death, we now know from what Scripture teaches us that for those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ and who strive to follow him, that when this life is over, we have eternal life guaranteed in him. It's demonstrated in the person of Jesus Christ, and we now know that that is coming for us. But there's another part of this. Well, what do I do now, right? And sometimes we're guilty of talking about things in, in such an eternal perspective that we do no earthly good sometimes. Because the truth is, oftentimes people are struggling not with what's going to happen to my life after I die, thinking, I got problems today, and I have issues today, and what does it mean to walk with Christ, and how can that make a difference in my life today? Because the truth is, walking with Christ and giving your all to him gives you eternal life, but eternal life begins the moment you follow him. And so as you give your life to Christ, you begin to experience eternal life now, and then it just carries on when this life is over. And by choosing to follow Jesus Christ and to live for him and to pursue him and to follow what his word says, it has answers for living this life in a way that you can experience life to its fullest, where you can have joy and peace and hope and all the things that we strive for and want are given to us by the great gift of Jesus Christ. And so that's why it's so significant. And we're going to be in the book of 1 John now and in the coming weeks. And I'm just going to tell you this. We're not getting it all in today because y'all don't want a sermon that long, and that's okay. So I would encourage you, we're going to begin to talk about this today, and it's going to continue to develop over the coming weeks. And so I would encourage you, don't miss church. I would encourage you not to miss church anyway. But I would encourage you even more, don't miss. Make it a priority to be here and to hear this because... The Apostle John gives some words here that are just gold for us to be able to live life. And so we're going to talk about what it means to live life after you receive life from Jesus Christ, life after life. And what do those who choose to follow Jesus do in their day-to-day -day life to receive this type of life that God desires for us both now and for all eternity but then the other question that we're going to answer is maybe you're not following Jesus Christ and maybe you don't know him or you don't know anything about him. And so we want to also answer the question, well, why would I choose to follow Jesus Christ? What's, what good is it for me to be able to make that decision? You see, that's what we want to talk about. And so how do we prepare for tomorrow? There's a simple truth that I think we all understand in life, whether we, whether we articulate it all the time or not, I think that we would agree that this is true. And um, it, it has to do with the fact that if we think about our future, if we, if we want to become something, we start working toward that goal, right? And so let me put it this way. Who I will become should impact who I am today, right? Who I will become should impact the way that I behave today. 
And so that's why in church you hear us talk about the eternal life of Christ, because we know ultimately this life is not it. That when God comes in his perfection and we will be like him is what John says in his book. We'll get to that in a minute. And that's what we're striving to be. We know that day is coming. And so who I would just simple have an impact on how I live today. If we think about it this way, just simple, simple logic tells us if I'm, if I'm wise with my finances today and I don't overspend and I put some money each paycheck back in savings, then over time what should be happening is that I'm living within my means and I've got money in savings and, I, and those type of things grow in my life, right? That's what logic says, right? Logic says if I continue daily to exercise and eat right, then I will stay healthier in the future, even though this body makes it harder and harder the older we get. I understand that. But that life will will be better in that way. If I reach out and befriend people today and demonstrate love for them today, then it should result in the fact that in the future I would have the possibility for even stronger relationships, right? We get that. What I want to be in the future, who I will become in the future, should impact the way that I choose to live my life today. So the simple truth is this. If I'm going to experience life as God intends to be a child of God, I should live like a child of God. I mean, it's just a simple truth. If if that's who I am, and also what I'm becoming, then it should impact the way that I live my life today. Here's how John puts it in the book of 1 John. We're going to start in chapter 2, verse 28, and read through a few verses in chapter 3. And I'm going to go ahead and warn you, I'm going to stop after the first verse, because it's just too fun. So verse 28 says, so now, little children, John always says that when he's talking to people, it's, it's fun. Remain in him. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, why am I stopping after verse 1? Let me just make sure we understand this. John is saying, look, your job as a follower of Jesus Christ is to remain in him. And you remain in him so that you won't be ashamed at his coming. Well, what does that mean? Stop and think about this. Go back and think about things that you've done in your life. I bet we could all name a moment that we're behaving, or even a season of behavior and choices in our life, that if mom and dad had shown up, they wouldn't have been proud, right? Yeah. There have been some times I've been going like, I'm glad they didn't find out about that one. You know what I mean? Things right, and we go, why can't everybody see this? At the same time, I think we also have seasons of life that we're doing things right, and we go, why can't everybody see this? You know, this is what I, I want to be. And so the simple truth that John is saying is, look, remain in Christ. Remain in him. Stick with it. Hold on to it. Remain in him so that when he appears, you have confidence. He shows up and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're like, good, God showed up. He shows up and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're like, God showed up. And so that's what he's simply saying. Verse 29. He says, if you know that he is righteous, then you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. 
Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, what all is he talking about here as it pertains to life after life? See, what's happening at this point in time is people are, are teaching some things that are making it hard for people to follow and understand. There's some people who are trying to deceive the Christ followers. And so if you back up a little bit more, John actually says, I'm writing these things so that you can have knowledge about those who are trying to deceive you. And so what he's saying is, don't worry about all these people who are sharing these things. You know that you know you are his. And the way that you know that you are his is that you remain in him. That's how you begin to have confidence of your assurance of faith. Pause. In the coming weeks, we're going to continue with what John is talking about. One of the things that he talks about is how you can have assurance of your faith in Jesus Christ. And we're not going to get deeply into that today, but it is an essence of some of the stuff that we're talking about. But in weeks to come, John really begins to spell this out about if you are a follower of Christ, you can have confidence and know that you have salvation as a follower of Christ. This is what he's talking about. And so he goes on with this thought, but really all of this hinges on your answer to one question is what he's, is what he's really getting to. He is talking to those who believe. So the question for you today is, first of all, do I know Jesus? Do I know Jesus? Have I come to the place in my life where I confess that Jesus is Lord? I'm just going to go ahead and be real honest with you. If you haven't come to that place, if you're wrestling with that, if you don't understand what that is, a lot of what we're going to talk about here in a little bit might not make any sense to you, and that's okay. Because you're here learning and discovering and hearing. But the ultimate thing is we first all have to answer the question, do I know Jesus? Because what John is saying is remain in him. Well, you can't remain in something that you don't have, right? And so he's talking to those who believe saying, even though all of the world may be teaching you a different thing or things look chaotic, you need to remain in him as his children continue to be his child. And so that's why he says this. So if you don't know Jesus, you can't remain in him. And there's a reason I'm talking about this. John wrote another book. He wrote a few in the, in the New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John in the third chapter, we see John's, in, John writes the interaction that Jesus has with a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious leader. And the religious leaders at the time we're doing everything they could to teach people about how to follow the rules and how to behave in a certain way, okay? And the law, then that's how we earn our way to heaven. At the time, felt like God gave us this law, and if we follow all the law, then that's how we earn our way to heaven. And they may not have said it that simply, but that's really what they were teaching. And so Jesus has this conversation with Nicodemus, and one of the things he says in John chapter 3, verse 3, is this. Jesus tells Nicodemus, truly I tell you, Unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless someone's born again. And it begins this whole conversation with Nicodemus is thinking very literal. And Jesus says, no, you have to have a spiritual rebirth. And then New Testament teaching, again, I don't have time to get into it all today, will continue to reinforce this idea and this truth that when we choose to follow Jesus, 
The old self is put aside and we become a new creation. We are born again spiritually. A person who is truly following Jesus, don't miss this, becomes a new person. And there's a reason I say this. It's a real simple truth. Birth precedes behavior. And this is what we need to understand. Birth precedes behavior. John is telling people to remain in the faith that you already have because you have been born again. If you have not been born again and you are behaving this way, it's because you're making morally good choices. But ultimately, it's not doing anything to give you assurance of salvation. It's not really doing anything but helping you be a better person. But without being born again, it's just a good way to live. And so let's be real clear as I go into some of this stuff today. We cannot and do not behave our way into heaven. It does not happen. We behave as a child of God because we have become a new creation and we have changed. And as a child of God, the things of God begin to grow inside of us and they begin to come out and we become a new creation. Let me put it this way. Just as we understand that each of us have inherent traits and tendencies because of our physical birth and our DNA, things that you feel and do and think simply because of your genes. It, it, let me just put it this way. If I were to show you a picture of my parents and put my picture next to it, y'all would go, yeah, that's, that's theirs. There would be no denying that, right? As a matter of fact, just a second ago, when I'm standing up here and I did this little move, that's dad. I just want y'all to know that, okay? As soon as that happened, I just started laughing because I know where this sermon's going. I'm like, you just did dad right there, just dad, that's it. This is a dad move right here, just dad, that's it. I can see him doing that. And growing up with him and being around him and having his traits inside of me, that's, that's it. It's coming out. And if you were to hang out with them for a little bit and then hang out with me, there would be no denying that we are related. I mean, that's it. And so this is what John is saying. As a child of God, you should take on the traits of God and there should be no denying that you're related. That's it. Because you are a child of God and that's what you are. See, we should understand that the DNA of a child of God is demonstrated in their words and their actions. Our words and actions don't get us favor with God. They are a result and they demonstrate not only to the world around us, but hear me, to our own hearts that we are children of God. If you wrestle with following the things of God, that's okay. We all wrestle with some of them. But if you argue against them and work against them and have no desire to change and, and recognize them, then there might be something that you need to deal with in your heart and answer the question, do I know Jesus? You see, because as we become a new creation, we change. I'll put it real bluntly this way. That way it would be real simple. If you can sin with no remorse, you're not probably a child of God. Because one of the things that happens when we become a child of God. You see, when, when you're a sinner, and I'm a sinner, and we sin, and we go, and we just kind of move on with life, there's no remorse because it became a child of God. Some of the things that I used to do, I would do them again, and then something happened inside and went, that's wrong, and I went, where'd that come from? Why is this wrong now? 
all of a sudden. Why do I feel guilty about this? Why do I feel compelled to do this different? Why do I feel compelled? That's evidence that I'm a child of God. Not that we don't sin anymore. John dealt with that in 1 John 1. You can go back and read that. We should strive to be sinless, but when we do sin, our spirit convicts us, and we should walk in the light as he is in the light. And for those who, who remain in the light, the blood of Jesus covers us and uh, forgives us of our sins. That's what he started with. But it happens that when we do walk in this world and we make a mistake and we feel guilty about it and remorse, that's an evidence that you're a child of God. And then what we should do is strive to go, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to remain in him and walk with him. And this is what John is saying. So we should understand that the DNA of a child of God comes out in our thoughts, our actions. Then the better I'm able to navigate this. The reason I say this is because the more I understand who I am, then the better I'm able to navigate this life. Have you ever been to the doctor and you're getting a checkup? And what do they ask you? Hey, what's your family history? Does anybody in your family dealt with these type of things? The reason they ask that is because in your genes, they might want to be looking for certain things. If your mom and dad and your grandmother and grandfather and great-grandmother and great-grandfather and these people were dealing with the same things, they're going, hey, this should probably be evident in your life. We can do the same thing in our spiritual life. There's evidence for people who are followers of Jesus Christ. It shows up in their words and actions. It's the DNA of a child of God. It should give you confidence about what you're doing or conviction, either one, is evidence that you're trying to remain in Christ and walk with him. And so birth precedes behavior. We don't act this way to earn God's love. We act this way because we are loved by God. And let me just say this. If you are a parent or have ever been around a parent, you understand this. My children's behavior really has very little correlation on my love for them, doesn't it? I don't, I don't understand. I can say this and not even understand it. There's nothing that they can do that would make me not love them. Where did that come from? But the same thing is true for God. He, he loves you with all. And what he's saying about the way that we should act is this is a truth about my children, your children, and everybody else's children. If they don't act in a way that they should, they bring about difficulties and consequences in their life that break my heart and make life difficult. God says the same thing for us. If you're a child of God, act like a child of God. And the more you act like a child of God, the more confident you become that you are a child of God. And the more being a child of God produces fruit so that everyone around you is able to say, that's a child of God. Because being a child of God should be evident in the life of who we are. If we just say, I prayed a prayer when I was 10 and I've never spoken with God since then, is that remaining in him? No, it's not. And so we're not receiving the blessings of being a child of God. So we should all ask ourselves, what does it mean for me to remain in Christ? As a matter of fact, that's my first point here. Remain. How do I become who I am? We remain. Remain in God. Keep my relationship with Jesus current. Current. My wife and I are getting ready this year to celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary. Y'all could all go, yay, that's awesome, right? And if I followed that up with the last time I saw her was at the altar, I hope she's doing well. <laughs> Y'all would go, wow, that's weird. We're not divorced, but I haven't seen her since then. That would be odd, wouldn't it? But I just described to you many people's relationship with God. 
they made a decision a long time ago, a genuine and legitimate, true decision to enter into a relationship with a loving father. They had not talked to him since. And God has not let go of that relationship, amen. But if we haven't worked to strive to remain in it, then we're getting no fruit and no benefit from being a child of God, and we're not navigating this life very well. And so that's what it, we remain. See, John tells us to remain because he knows God already has remained. He doesn't say this is an if-then consequential statement. He's just telling us if you want to experience this life, then you remain in Christ. It's not just a decision you make. It's, it's a way that you live. And so don't be led astray by the old life and by old decisions. That life is dead and gone, even though we still struggle with it. We still stumble with it. I'm just going to cut this short and say this. We're all going to stumble in sin, and I hope you feel guilty about it. Because then it's evidence that God is at work in your life. And that hopefully that guilt will lead you to repentance, and that repentance will lead you to change, and that change will lead you to life. And that's how you begin to walk with Christ. And you have evidence even more that I'm his child. You see, if I'm misbehaving around somebody else's parents, I don't care. But if Jim showed up, I cared. Because it's like, oh, there's consequences for that one. So that should be evidence for us. Look at what John also writes in his gospel. He's taking the words of Jesus and repeating them because Jesus in John chapter 15 says these words to his disciples. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one, remains, the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. And look at this, verse 8. Highlight it, underline it, read it in your Bible. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit. And what are those next words? Prove to be my disciples. Prove to who? Prove to yourself. Prove to those around you. That God is really making a difference in my life by trying to follow him. Because here's the truth. God knows your heart and you know your heart. And so you don't need to prove anything to God. But he's saying what you want to do to glorify God is you want to remain in me and I in you. And we continue to produce fruit. And then it will prove to you the change that happens when you choose to follow God. Which is why if you don't know, though it takes time to be produced, is the fruit that is produced in the life of of a believer, though it takes time to be produced, is life-changing. It makes a significant difference in who you are and the life you live to those around you. And so there's some simple ways that we do that. You stay in God's word, you read it, you pray, you live it out. You surround yourself with other believers. You live these things out. At first, it's going to be a real intentional effort. It might not come very naturally, but soon you begin to realize that, hey, this is how I'm supposed to live. I am a child of God, and the more I do this, the more I experience life. And the more I experience life, the difficulties of this life don't seem so significant because the greatness of who God is seems even greater. And wow, this begins to work. And the reason most people don't see that is because they make a decision that's not followed up with action. Decisions are worthless unless they're followed up with action. It's true in everything in life. You can decide a lot of things, but until you actually do something, it really doesn't matter what you decided. And so deciding to follow Jesus is great. It's very important, but then we have to live it out. And it's in living it out that we'll do this. We'll discover the great love of God. 
as the more that we live out our faith, the more that we discover the great love of God. That God didn't give us his word and these truths to demonstrate to us how bad we are. He gave them to us to show us the path to experience life, not only life eternal, but life today and life tomorrow and life the next day. And that's why being a child of God is so significant and choosing to follow him is so important because we get to live different even though the world around us goes a different way. We get to live out this faith and we get to discover what it means to be a child of God. I'm not fully yet what I'm supposed to be, but one day when he shows up in all his glory and I see him as he fully is, I will then understand me as I fully am and it will be a glorious reunion. And the more time I spend striving to follow him and discover the great love that he has for me, then the grander reunion that's going to be. Living as a child and God in this world is going to be difficult at times. You're going to constantly be challenged. Why are you doing things that way? That seems a little odd. This is weird, but you have to remember you're following God's way, not your way anymore. The old self has died. The new self is living, and we're trying to get that thing to grow, not the old thing. Romans 5.8 puts it real clear. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So make no mistake about it, guys. Our behavior follows our birth. Our behavior doesn't impress God. God loves us right where we are. And that is true for everybody on this planet. But God demonstrates his love that right where we are, as a sinner... Far, far away from God. He gave himself up so that you can have a path that leads to life if you will choose to know and follow him. That's great love. He gave up everything so that you can know him. And now he offers you. the. And so John puts it this way. Verse 3 of chapter 3. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who has this hope in Christ, look at this. Everyone who has their place their hope in Christ does what? They purify themselves because God is pure. Okay, well, I'm a, I'm a sinner. There's no way I can ever be perfect. Well, I understand that. But that doesn't mean we don't try. You know, there, we, can't, we can't live our life on the extreme saying that, well, I can't do it, so I shouldn't even try. And we certainly don't live our life on these other extremes saying that, well, God's come and forgiven me of my sin, so I'm now perfect. That we, we know better than that as well. But what John says is the person who truly has this relationship will strive to purify themselves. And maybe a simple way for us to remember this is just two words, pursue holiness. Our, our life will be found as we pursue holiness. If we have genuinely trusted Jesus... And only you can answer that in your heart. And hear me on this. My point today is not to make you doubt your faith. It's to make you confident in your faith. Okay? So hear me on this. I'm not at all speaking about anything today to make anyone doubt. Because John wrote these words so that you can have assurance, not so that you can doubt. And so I want to give you assurance of your faith by saying that, if you will pursue holiness, you will find life. And the more that you pursue holiness and are willing not to argue with God about changes in your life, but to accept that you are a child of God, and the more I do things your way, the more I'm going to see that, then you will begin to have confidence that his way is best and right, and you find life. Paul writes it this way, Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. 
So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And so the reason that we understand that we're a child of God and that one day this life will pass away and that we will have eternal life in Christ for those who follow him is because it makes a difference in how we're supposed to live the moment that you walk out the doors of this church. Your time, treat other people, people, it makes a difference. The way that you choose to spend your money, spend your time, treat other people, go places, it, it makes a difference. And the more that you follow Christ in that, the more you discover that you're his child, the more confidence you have in your faith, and the more you're able to actually live out this great commandment of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so at first I said, sometimes we're so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. But the truth is, if we truly become heavenly minded, it will equip me for earthly good if I remember that I am becoming who God wants me to be, and I can choose to follow him each day and discover more and more what it means to be his child.